Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. You know this message that you're about to hear. I pray that it not only inspires you, but encourages you to follow Jesus even more. In fact, there are probably people in your life who need to hear this timely word. Chances are you're thinking about them right now. Share this message with them. And listen, if you're watching on YouTube, let me encourage you to hit subscribe, stay tapped in. You know, I also wanna take the time to thank all those who support us. We wouldn't have any ministry outside these four walls if it weren't for our friends who come alongside us in prayer and supporting us financially. You know, there are thousands, there are thousands who are benefited by this ministry because of your giving, and we thank you. To continue or to even start supporting our mission to help others and their families follow Jesus, you can give by visiting cfmiami.org slash give. We also wanted to update you on something important. Recently, our on-demand services will be available starting Sunday evenings. To catch the entire service, be sure that you're logging onto our live streams when we begin services Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Otherwise, you'll be catching the service midway through. Enjoy this sermon. Amen. Man, let's thank God today for what He did on Easter weekend. So many lives transformed. Come on, let's give another shout of praise. Yeah. Amen and amen. Hey. Another great weekend to worship God together. It's always a blessing to be here. Welcome everyone, my name is Omar and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And I wanna welcome everyone right now joining us live online as well as, well as all of our local campuses all the way up from northern part of Miami in Doral to Coral Gables, West Kendall, Redland Homestead and even here Palmetto Bay. If they're a first time guest, let's go ahead and give them a warm welcome right now. Thank you. And if you're coming back from Easter weekend, hey, thank you so much for being here with us again. And uh, you know, today's a really great moment, a weekend to be here with us because we're starting a brand new series called Wrestling with God. And it's a really a study in the, through the life of Jacob. I think all of us at some point, we feel like we're wrestling with God with certain things in our lives. But today we're gonna to learn about how to wrestle with God in regards to our destiny, yeah, to our future. And so I think it's gonna be really important for us. So let's open up our Bibles to Genesis chapter 25 and let's remain standing for the reading of God's word. It's the way we honor God's word here by standing for the reading of it. And today I'll be reading from, from chapter 25, verse 21 and 23, and you can follow along with me as I read. Listen to what God's word says. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together with her, within her. And she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be what? Yes, shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. In other words, God already had destined the path of these two boys even before they were born. That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody at all campuses. And folks, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, last month we celebrated, Ashley and I, our six-year anniversary, and uh, thank you, Nigel, thank you for that. And, uh, and, and in order to celebrate, we went on a little trip to Colorado without the kids, just to relax a little bit. And so we went sightseeing and uh, different restaurants. I snowboarded, 
Ashley tried to snowboard, and, uh, but we also did snowmobiling. It was a really, really fun trip. It was good to get away, but follow me here. Because on the flight back to Miami, Ashley wanted to catch up on some work. So she took out her computer and began. Now, uh, most of you know that my wife, Ashley, she's the director of Caring for Miami. And so she is in the process of getting some executive coaching. And part of the onboarding process is to take, get this, an emotional intelligence test. So she took it, you know, she opened it up and she started going through with it. And folks, as she's going through the question, there is a question that made her stop and simply reflect for a little while. And here was the question that she saw on that computer. And here it was. Here was a statement. The statement she read said, you are in control of your destiny. And then she had to circle, strongly disagree, disagree, neutral, agree, or strongly agree. Now, folks, think carefully of that statement. You are in control of your destiny. And so the moment that she read that, she looked at me, and, and she was just trying to process it. Folks, here's was the, the dilemma that she was wrestling with. Because, because here's the thing. To say that you are in control of your future means that you create your own future. Right? However, the word destiny in itself means a specific future or outcome that results from a predetermined or inevitable course of events. And so, the folks, the moment that she read that question, that statement, she began to wrestle with it, right? Because if she would answer agree, I agree with that statement, then she's pretty much saying, right, that she's implying that the one determining her future is herself and not God. But if she would answer disagree, at that moment she would be implying that her future has nothing to do with her, with her actions, and everything to do with God. And folks, let me just bring that over to our time together because, folks, what an example of, what, of how we wrestle in our hearts when we think about our future, God's destiny for us. And by that I mean that just like Ashley, you know, had to process how she thought about her future, just like that. And here's the main idea as we open up God's word today. When we are faced with the concept of the future, folks, I think many of us start to wrestle with it. Because there is a part of us that says, what we do, what I do in my life matters. The actions that I take, the decisions that I make, what I do and what I do not do, all those things matter, right? But there's another part of us, if you're a child of God, that says, you know what? My future is in God's hands. God is in control of every aspect of my future. So, Omar, which one is it? Because how we answer that question impacts the way we think and the way that we live our lives. Well, folks, we're going to find out today from Genesis chapter 25. So if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 25 at all campuses. 
You can follow along in our listening guys as well as in our app. And here's the first thing, uh, the, the first point that I want to make today. Chris Foster, are you ready to dive into God's word today? Yeah? All right. So write this one. I have two thoughts for us. Here it is. The first one is this. God chooses his people and he ordains their future. Now, folks, listen to what God's word says. It says, these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, what? Conceived. Now stop right there and slip into the scene for just a moment. Because by this time, that little boy that Abraham and Sarah were waiting for for so long, eventually now becomes an adult, he becomes a man, and at 40 years old, he marries this woman, Rebecca. Now eventually, Abraham and Sarah both pass away, and so now Isaac is now starting to have a family with his new bride, Rebecca, and so they begin to try to have children. But folks, after 20 years of trying to conceive, they were unable to. Now, mind you, Isaac knew in his mind that God had promised his father Abraham that through him, a great nation will come about and all the nations on earth will be blessed. So he knew it had to be through me. So folks, he kept praying and praying and finally, after 20 years, when he was 60 years old and Rebecca by the same age, they had their first child, Rebecca finally conceived. But folks, it wasn't an easy pregnancy. In fact, listen to what happens next. It says, the children struggled together within her, and she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you shall be divided. The one shall serve, the one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So what do we see here? We see that Rebecca, right, begins to have trouble in her pregnancy. And no doubt this was causing a lot of pain. So she goes to the Lord and says, Lord, if this is from you, why am I struggling so much in this pregnancy? And God said, listen, you don't have one child. You have two children. You have two children. And there's two boys, and these boys are going to be twins and from there, listen, two great nations will come about. But here's what you need to understand. Out of these two nations, listen, they will be divided all of their life. And it's amazing to see that once how God's word always comes to fruition. So, for example, when you look at, 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 at these two young boys that are going to be born, one of their name is Jacob. And as many of you know, he is the father of the nation of Israel, right? So he was uh, the forefather of the Israelites. But Esau, the other brother, is the father of the, of the nation of Edom, the Edomites. And folks, listen, these two countries are always at war. In fact, God told Israel, love Edom because they are your brother. But nevertheless, Edom was always at war with Israel. King David and those kings had to deal with the nation of Edom. And then furthermore, if you go all the way to the future, when Christ was born, King Herod, you guys remember King Herod? 
the one who uh, decreed that every child under two years of age shall be killed when Jesus was born? Well, he was the last great known Edomite. And even to that day, and after that, that, na- that those people groups kind of dwindled away from history. But just to show you how God's words always stands. But folks, listen to what happens next. It says, when her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out all red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they named his name Esau, which kind of means hairy, sounds like hairy in the, in the Hebrew. And afterwards, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. And Jacob has a, sounds for someone who comes after and a supplanter, someone who, who, who has that type of mentality. So he was named Jacob. And then, and, then it's, and then it says, Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So folks, this is the beginning of a long story between these two brothers and who in many ways, they metaphorically wrestled with God all of their lives. In fact, Jacob would even one day physically wrestle with God towards the end of the series, and we'll get to that later on. But folks, this birth story, if you're reading Genesis for the first time, if you're reading through Scripture, when you get to this point, it may seem like this story is almost insignificant. Like it's just some random story that we just find in the Old Testament. However, it is a key moment in history where God begins to reveal certain theological truths. In fact, listen to what the book of Romans uh, says about this particular moment in time in fast-forwarding to the New Testament. Listen to what it says. It says, when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born, notice carefully, and had done nothing either what? Either good or? Either good or bad. In order that God's purpose of election, of his choosing, might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. In other words, even before these two boys were born and had done nothing either good or bad, God in his sovereignty not only chose Isaac, but had already ordained all of his days. And folks, it's the same way with, you, with your life. Listen, if you are a child of God, even before you were born, even before the foundation of the world, God had already chosen you, he had decided to set his love for you, and he had already ordained every single day of your life. In fact, listen to what God's word says. Listen to what God's word says in Psalms 139. He says, your eyes, O God, saw my unformed substance in your what, church? In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So notice, even when you were in your mother's womb, God had already written out every single day of your life. My goodness. In other words, nothing in your life is happening by chance. And folks, listen, this is one of those truths that should bring profound peace to your heart. Why? Because when something unexpected happens, 
and it seems like life is spiraling out of control. In other words, it seems like God lost his control of your life. Listen carefully, child of God. The truth is that God is in complete and utter sovereign control of your life. And there's nothing that's happening in your life that God did not ordain and that he is not in control of the situation. Can you praise God to that for that? For that? Now, some of us sitting here may be thinking, wait a second, Omar. This, this sounds like fatalism, right? You know, where's our free will? Are we just like robots and just walking around and God's in control and what I do ma- doesn't matter? But folks, here's something, you know, when people are wrestling with this thought, right? God's sovereignty and our free will, some will try to attempt to describe this by giving this explanation. The man's free will is over God's sovereignty, right? That, 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 that the determining factor of what happens on earth is man's free will, and somehow, way, God is subservient to the actions of men. That's what some will try, try to explain. But folks, when you look at Scripture, that is not what you see. From Genesis to Revelation, you don't see that what you see throughout Scripture is that ultimately God's sovereignty is overarching and somewhere within there, there is man's free will, right? So the determining factor is really God's plan, God's purposes, and man's free will works within God's sovereignty, if I can be honest, in a way that sometimes we can never really fully understand. Now, to help us kind of process this a little bit, all right, I'm going to give us, give us an, an, uh, an, an, an analogy that is not perfect, right? It's not perfect, but I think may help us kind of understand how this works. So many of you know that growing up, um, um, you know, my dad's side of the family lives completely in Europe. Part of, part of them live in Cyprus, a little island in the Mediterranean, and most of them live in London, in fact, behind me, you see a picture of my dad's right here, and all of it, uh, these are his brothers and sisters, my aunts and uncles, and I have a bunch of cousins all throughout London. So growing up, every single summer, I would get on a flight to London and go visit my family. Now, once I got married, it got a little more difficult, and once COVID hit, it got even more difficult. So I saw my dad last year, but I haven't seen my family, all of my family, in over six years. So this summer, we are taking a flight, a British Airways flight, all the way to London, 10 hours with my two children. Pray for me, please. Pray for me. Yeah. Last night, I was losing sleep for that flight already. What are we going to do for 10 hours on that flight, right? But folks, here's what I want you to understand. Me, as, as, as a father of my children, I already have that journey, their journey planned out. Even they don't know what's going to happen, I already know. I booked a ticket. I know what time is boarding. I know what time the flight leaves. I know all the details. I've been, I've been on that plane many times. I know the plane pretty well. When we get there, I know how to get off. I know the customs in London and Heathrow. I know, I know that journey pretty well. I've already planned out every aspect of that journey. And so, for example, with my one and a half, Mateo, my, 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 my young boy, Listen, on that day, he's going to wake up, and he's going to start making choices. 
right? He's going to be running around. He's going to be jumping on the couch. He's going to be doing all these different things. When we get to the airport, he's going to be touching all the desks. He's going to be trying to do this. He's going to fall and trip and start crying. I'm going to have to pick him up. I'm going to do different things. But folks, make no mistake about it. I know as his father where I am taking him. You know, I am taking him to London. And so even though, listen, he's making his little choices, he's living his little life, he's doing different things, make no mistake about it, he has a father, yeah, who's over him, and that I am going to make sure whatever he does, when he needs to be corrected, I'm going to correct him. When he needs to be protected, I'm going to protect him. When he needs some guidance, I'm going to guide him. Why? Because even though... He's making his little choices. He has a father who loves him, who is able to lead him and guide him exactly where he wants him to go, where I want him to go. Folks, it's the same way with us. In our lives, listen, we're making choices. Listen, we go to the store we want to go to the store. We go to that park. We go to the vacation, right? We get married. We do this. We do that. But make no mistake about it. If you are in Christ, you have a heavenly father, listen, who is guiding you along the way and who's shepherding you along the way. And he knows that your destination as a child of God eventually is heaven to spend eternity with him. Yeah. And as you go through your life, Listen, you might mess up and he might pick you up. You might start straying and he'll bring you back. When you fall and you cry, he's going to pick you up. But make no mistake about it. You have a heavenly father who is sovereign over all. And his purpose for your life cannot be changed. He is sovereign and he is leading you exactly where he wants you to go. Can we praise God today for that? <laughs> Folks, here's the thing. As we start living the days, right, that God has ordained for us, listen, they're not purposeless, quite the opposite. In fact, write this down as letter A. Listen, God's ordained plan for your life involves his kingdom purposes. You know, many people, when they start a relationship with the Lord and they start in their walk with God, somewhere along the way, they think that everything is about them. Oh, God blessing me, God, you know, that everything is about you, 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 you. When in reality, listen, yeah, he cares about you, he loves you. But the reality is that he wants to use you for his kingdom. You know, going back to the story, in God's sovereignty, he had chosen Jacob for specific redemptive purposes, and he chose, e and he chose Esau for other purposes, and folks, the same thing with your life. The moment that God chose you, the moment that he intervened in your life and he opened up your eyes to see the beauty of Christ, and now he has ordained the days of your life. Listen, he wants you to live your life to also further his kingdom, to be used by his redemptive purposes. And so listen, listen, parents, grandparents, once you came to know Christ, your job now is, as a parent is not only to physically provide for your children, but listen, you have spiritual responsibilities to, to lead your children into the ways of the Lord. God wants you to use you for these redemptive purposes. 
If you're married, listen, it's not now all about oh, romance and, 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 and vacations. Listen, God now in your marriage, he wants you to glorify God. He wants you, listen, to reflect the gospel in your marriage. If you're going to get married, if you're looking to get married, folks, it's not only about love. Listen, it's also about finding someone in your life that you can further God's kingdom alongside of them. And listen, even if you're at work or you go to school, high school, college, whatever the case may be, listen, God is not calling you to be a shining light, Christ, to shine the light of Christ in the middle of a dark place. Can I get an amen to that? And folks, folks, even when you come to church, listen, the mistake that so many of us could fall into is to see this almost like a show. Oh, they got great music. Oh, there's always a speaker who delivers the word. And for, for some, we can sit down and just, just almost be a consumer. But listen, God is not calling you. God has not called you out of darkness and plan on your life so that you can just be a consumer. He wants you to be a co-laborer with Christ. Amen. And so ask yourself, or if someone would look in my life, am, more, am I more of a consumer or am I a co-laborer with Christ? Listen, when God redeemed you, he's given you certain abilities, certain talents, certain gifting for you to be used by the glory, for the glory of God and help other people also grow in their relationship with him. See, this is why Christ Fellowship, the third step in our discipleship process it's to connect to a ministry. Why? Because we're passionate to help you further God's kingdom. God didn't call you to be a consumer. He called you to be a co-laborer and further God's kingdom on earth. Amen? Amen. And so whether, whether it's kids, students, young adults, maybe it's parking or guest services, production, worship. Listen, listen. God is calling you to use the abilities, the talents that God has given to you to be able to serve him, amen? Because that's part of his redemptive purposes. And so not only, and listen, not only is God calling you, right, to further his kingdom, but also write this down as letter B. Listen, God's ordained plan always works for the absolute best of his children. In fact, listen to what God's word says in Romans chapter 8. It says and, it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for what, church? For good. For those who are called according to his what? His purposes. And folks, I love, I absolutely love this. Because as you start living the, living the days that God has ordained for you, there are going to be certain days, listen, when, when, that there are going to be setbacks in your life. That there's going to be issues in your life. But listen, when you wake up and you start a day and there's something that takes place that's unexpected, that is difficult. Listen, it's easy for you to think that somehow, some way, this is messing, God's messing up God's plan. But listen carefully, child of God. Remind yourself that what is, whatever is happening in your, on your day today is not only ordained by God, but God is working it for your absolute best. Amen? 
Can we praise God today for that? So you don't have to enter every single day worrying that my life is going to mess up. When something happens, you rely on God's truth. Amen? Amen. Now some of you may be like, I get it, Omar. Listen, my days are ordained by God. My, I get it, but, but Omar, how do you live that out practically? Well, folks, write this down as big number two. Listen, God wants you to live a life of obedience as you live out the days that he's ordained for you. You see, my encouragement to you as a child of God is this, that you come to a point in your life where you realize God chose me before the foundations of the earth. At one point in my life, he intervened in my life. He called me to be his own. And now I'm a child of God. Listen, my encouragement is that as you live out the days that God has set out for you, to do so living a life that honors and obeys him. And here's one way you can do that. Write this down as letter A. First of all, embrace the journey that God has for you. You know, the big issue that I see with so many people is this. Is that there's... They're too busy comparing themselves to other people. And here's the reality. The reality is that God apportions everything as he sees fit. Whether it's talents, whether it's abilities, whether it's wealth. Listen, we see from Scripture that all we have, everything we have, ultimately comes from God. Amen? And folks, at times... We can spend our time focusing on somebody else's life and trying to recreate that in our lives. You see, we don't embrace the journey that God has for us, but we're so busy looking at what is happening in other people's lives and trying to recreate that in our own lives. And folks, when that happens, we fall into sinful patterns. We start coveting. We start envying each other. We start becoming bitter because you say, why do they get that and I don't get that? Why is this happening in their life but not in my life? And what happens is that we begin to do ungodly things to achieve what God is doing in someone else's life. And so my encouragement to us today is this. Listen, you want to live a life, the days that God has for you? Listen, stop comparing yourself to other people. And here's why. Because comparison steals the joy of God's plan for your life. Now, I want you to really think about this. Comparison, every time you start comparing your life to someone else's, what it does is that it steals the joy of what God is doing in your own life. And if I can be honest with you, I think social media at times is used by the enemy to steal your joy. Why? All day, you cannot help but keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, seeing what other people are doing, what other things God is doing in their life, and says, you know what? I want it in my life, and it steals the joy from your life. Why? Because when you look at other people, you cannot help but compare yourself to them. And if I can be honest, just a moment of transparency... You know, in my own personal life, listen, I don't, in my own account, I don't like to follow other churches and other pastors uh, across the nation. Now, the ones that I do follow locally, because they're friends of mine, 
oftentimes I, I, I mute them. You know you have an option that you can be following someone but not seeing in your feed every single day, right? And folks, not because there's nothing wrong. No, listen, I'm on group chats with them. We're laughing all the time. We're texting. We hang out. We have a great time. I have a great relationship with the pastors in this city. But folks, here's what could happen. Whenever I start seeing other pastors, other leaders, other churches, I can't help myself by saying, wow, look how talented that guy is. Wow, look how good of a preacher he is. Wow, look what they're doing at their church. Look what's happening there. And folks, I had to come to a point in my life where I said, you know what? I'm not going to be watching every, you know, other people every single day. Why? Because listen, God told me, listen, Omar, I have gifted you in a very unique way just for your task here at Christ Fellowship. And Omar, listen, I am doing some incredible things here at Christ Fellowship. And what I realize in my life that if I start looking at what that pastor's doing and what that church is doing, I miss out of the joy of what God is doing here. And so my encouragement to you, listen, is to stop comparing yourself to other people. Listen, don't focus on what God is doing in someone else's life and focus on your own journey. Embrace your journey. Listen, work hard when you can. Make the best possible choices. Do whatever you can, but listen carefully. At the end of the day, listen, if God gives you a promotion, glory to God, right? If God gives, if God opens a door for you, amazing. If God decides in his sovereignty to give you wealth, to give you certain things, man, glory to God for that. But folks, listen, do not fall on the trap of focusing on what God is doing in other people's lives and by it miss out on the joy of your own life and your own family. Can we praise God for that? And so listen, not only embrace the life that God has for you, but also write this down as letter B. At each stage of your journey, seek to glorify God. You know, God's word says that whatever you do, do all to the what, church? Glory of God. To the glory of God. Now, folks, circle the word glory if you're there in 1 Corinthians. Because I've told you this before. The word there for glory in the, in the New Testament is the Greek word doxa. Everyone say doxa. doxa. Everyone say doxa. doxa. Yeah. And the word doxa simply means the splendor or the revelation of something. And so whenever we say that we live a life to glorify God, we're not saying that we're making God more glorious. Why? He's infinitely holy. He's infinitely righteous. He's infinitely perfect, right? He's infinitely glorious. But what you're saying is that through that moment in time, by the way you're living your life, at that moment, listen, you are revealing the good and great God that you love and serve. And so, folks, my encouragement to you is this. Every single day that God has ordained for you, ask yourself, how am I going to glorify God today? How am I going to reveal God at work? 
How am I going to reveal who God is in my marriage? How am I going to reveal God in the way that I deal with conflict? Ask yourself, am I glorifying God? You want a, you want a good goal every single time you wake up? Ask your, tell yourself, this is a day that the Lord has made. He's ordained for me, and I'm going to do my best to bring glory to my Savior. Can I get an amen to that? And then last but not least, and this is so important, at each stage of your journey, surround yourself with God's people. Amen. And folks, here's why this is so important. Because the reality is that in our journey with God, listen, there's going to be some days that he ordained to be very joyous, some days are going to be very happy. Some days are great things are going to take place. But let me tell you, at the same time, God will sometimes ordain days that are going to be difficult. There's going to be disappointments in life. There's going to be hurts in life. And you see, it is in those moments, in those, in those days that are not as good as the others, that we start questioning, does God still have control of my life? Is God still involved? And listen, God has designed it that not only through your word, but especially in the difficult seasons in life, for you to be surrounded by other God-fearing people who remind you of God's faithfulness, who would encourage you, who would help you through those hard moments, pray for you so that you know that you are not alone, even in the hardest moments in time. In fact, take a look at the story of the Kirshner family. I was at work and I was in a meeting and it was January of January 2020. 2020. And it was my father who actually called me. I was all excited about the meeting I just came out of and uh, he explained to me that, that Harper has leukemia. I literally was in immediate denial. I, I thought leukemia was like Lyme disease. I was, oh, no, that's no big deal. We'll go, we'll go fix her. Uh, we rushed her all the way up to Miami Cancer Institute. She had acute lymphoblastic leukemia. That was day one of like the most intense two or three months yeah. you could ever imagine. We lost um, Amanda's grandmother. Yeah, my grandmother died in the like midst the, of the, the hospital. Yeah, the middle of January or something like that. Then my grandmother died. The, the passing of my mother happened uh, shortly after the birth of Ryla. And I mean, we're dealing with things that I think a, a lot of people in life deal with at some point, but we were dealing with a lot all at once. Yeah. We needed help. Yeah. We needed help. And that's, you know, where Christ Fellowship came in and introduced us to Scott and Natalie Richardson, whose daughter was literally diagnosed about four months prior to Harper being diagnosed and was in the same treatment plan, the same diagnosis. Same doctor, same, same doctor. hospital. It was one of those times where I had no idea what to do. I was scared, I, was, I felt alone, and I felt like only uh, another Christian man with a daughter, think about this, that was diagnosed with cancer as well. And I called him with the hopes that he would tell me, you know, you're right, or you know, you should feel that way, or whatever it was, but he said, Claude, you need to stop. You need to submit, you need to surrender. You can't control all these variables in your daughter's life. When he said that to me, I knew that he knew exactly what I was going through. Moving forward, Ryla, beautiful baby, so, so amazing. Amanda had a, she was bleeding. She a had hemorrhage. a hemorrhage. So I was standing there with my baby in my arms right after she gave birth and the doctors had to rush into the room and they were trying to save my wife's life. I do remember in my moments of, of clarity and kind of coming to here and there, if, you know, 
if I was meant to just marry my husband and see him through the challenge of childhood cancer and then bring this baby to the world, like that's enough, you know? Like, I'm okay if I'm not supposed to be here from this moment on because I knew that, you know, God was gonna be with my husband and therefore he was gonna be with my children. We were dealing with a lot of trauma. But God was and, there too. But like God a, was there. So we have the cancer diagnosis, we have the postpartum, we have the birth of a new child, we have uh, we have miscarriages, we have um, walking through co-parenting relationships and more pain and more heartache, um, all to get to where we are today. After all of that, Harper is completely cancer-free. Like you'd look at her, you'd never know that she went through what she went through. We are expecting our, our third child, <laughs> our second child together. And it's a girl. And it's another girl. <laughs> so God has definitely been with us this entire way. We have no idea what's ahead. And that's one thing we do know, even though we don't know what it is. Yeah, we know how to fight and we know how to endure. And it's not alone. It's in it's community. It's not alone. And it's in, it's in church. And it's sharing and being vulnerable to the people that matter. Working it out with fear and trembling is, is what we learned how to do. Mm -hmm. There's so much joy in this story. We absolutely loved each other. We loved other people. And, and we loved our church, and it's as simple as that. Well, so, we're, in this, we're in this small group now with Scott and Natalie and with other married couples. That small group also totally took us in and shared wisdom and you know just life lessons and pointed us back to scripture time and time again. We didn't just need, hey, we're praying for you. No. no, we needed somebody to call us and tell us to go to small group. We needed somebody to come up to us and hug us and love us, and that's where the joy of the Lord resonated in our hearts. This is a small group that we are still with to this day. And Christ Fellowship put that into our life. Wow. Hey, glory to God. But what a powerful testimony. And you know what's interesting? You know, the Lord had already knew and had ordained that all those things were gonna happen. The Lord was in control. But here's what I wanna point out to you. God used other believers to help that couple through that journey, Amen. through those days. And I can never under, uh, uh, overstress how important it is that you are in gospel community. That you, listen, this is great here, what's happening. You're uh, so many people around, but this is not the gospel community that you really need for your everyday life. You need people close to your life that you do life with. You may be wondering, well, Omar, how? Where can I find that? Where is that community? It's very simple. It's in small groups. Small groups are our midweek Bible studies that we come together, a smaller group of people to study God's Word, uh, to grow closer together, to laugh, to form friendships, just to, to start doing life together. And not only that, we get to serve the city together. We are mission together in our small groups. So there's some of us here today, listen, says, you know what? I'm doing life but I know that I'm not as strong spiritually as I should be. And the reason for that is because maybe you're not in a small group. So today is saying, let me, today may be the day that I say, hey, you know what? I've had your, your future secure. I have all the days, but I want you to live all your days surrounded with the people of God. So maybe for you today is, you know what? I, I need more information about joining a small group. For some of us, if I can be honest, perhaps you're already in a small group. But you've been walking the Lord for a while now. You have grown. You've matured. And for a long time, God has been tugging at your heart to lead a small group. 
You know, as much as the story there is of the Kirshners, is as much as a story of the Richardsons that helped that couple, that led a small group, that helped that couple through those hard moments in life by encouraging them, by being there with them, by loving on them. So maybe God has taken you on a journey and it's time for you to take that step and become a small group leader. Listen, if that's what God is pulling in your heart, listen, we will help you get set up. We'll get you get organized. We will give you the curriculum. We will get you the training. Whatever it is that you need, we will help you. But there has to be a moment that you know says, you know what? I'm going to start following the God's leading. I'm going I'm to start leading a small group. So me for you today is, you know what? To lead a small group. And so listen, today's Connect to Others Weekend. And as your heart, as, my, as your pastor, listen, you need to know that the first thing, if there's one thing that I want you to do when you start coming to Christ Fellowship, it's very simple, is to join a small group. Because we know that when you put yourself in that context, not only will you grow spiritually, but it will begin to transform your life, all right? So here's what we're going to do at all campuses. I, I know if you go ahead and do this, humor me, but do this, it's so important. Go ahead and take out your phones at all campuses. Go ahead and take out your phones. I've seen many of you with your phones the entire time. I see you. I see you. Go ahead and take out your phone. And then, if you don't mind, open up your camera app. And I'm going to ask everyone to do this because for some of us who are joining a small group for the first time, it may be a little intimidating, but I think if we all do it, right, it, it becomes so. Go ahead and lift up your camera at all campuses and go ahead and scan that QR code right behind me. Yeah, scan that code. And here's what's going to happen. It's going to take you now to a link, all right? And on that form, you can fill out your, 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 your name, all your information. And there, you can either say, How, I'm interested in finding more information about a small group or maybe leading a small group. By the way, if you are already in a small group, you don't have to fill this form out, all right? But if you feel like, you know what, like, I want more information about the groups that are available. We have men, women, young adults. We have student ministry. We have couples. We have all these different types of groups. Listen, we want to help you get connected to the one that fits you best so that you don't have to do life alone. Amen? So I'm going to give us a few moments now. Go ahead and talk to your spouse. If, you, if you're with them right now, with your family, whatever the case may be. But go ahead and fill this out. I'm going to give you some, a few moments, and then I'll wrap us up, all right? Go ahead and take some time. As you keep filling that out, all campuses, let me remind you, Wednesday, if, you're, if you have children and you need child care and you have maybe students, family, Wednesday Family Night is the best place for you. Why? Because you have, you have child, free child care provided by CF Kids and student ministry also meets on Wednesday. And then you can go to your own small group. So Wednesday Family Night is a really great option for you. Your small group director could, could, could help you. And by the way, on the way out at all campuses, um, you can, there's a Connect to Others uh, booth with banners. If you want more information about either leading a small group or joining a small group, stop by one of those booths, talk to someone, which by the way, they have salty donuts. 
yeah. Salty donuts for whoever wants, who signs for a small group, they got salty donuts there, all right? All right, so at all campus, go ahead and stand up with me. Let me pray for us, and then we'll see you next week. Father, we love you so much. And Father, as your children are all standing up across all campuses, Father, we are just so grateful that we know that our lives, are, every day of our lives is ordained, ordained by you and that we can rest in the fact that we have a good sovereign God leading us every step of the way. And for those of us who are joining a small group, Father, I pray that you would bless them, O oh Lord, that you would lead them to that small group that they need so that they can grow in the relationship with you the way that you envision them to. So Father, thank you, Lord, for allowing us to gather together and worship you. We love you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. All right, Christ, we love you. See you all. See you next week.